Morning, Coconut Creek. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us as we're uh, beginning a brand new series today called Draw a Circle. And this is really based off a book that was written by a guy named Mark Batterson that I read a couple years ago that absolutely transformed my prayer life. And, and so I wanted to share some of the principles and some of the concepts and some of the different things um, that came out of there because I believe that, that God wants to do some things in our lives. And this is what I know is that I get more questions about like, what's my purpose? How do I I know that God is for me in this season. Like, where, where am I going in life? How do all these things work together? Like, where is God in my situation? And I think the reason we're asking so many of those questions is, is because we're trying to find answers, and none of us have learned uh, how to... Oh, apparently we got our catalyst slot for high school ministry and, and stuff there, so... Uh, we, we've got all these questions about life, and we don't know exactly where to get answers. And I believe that God has a lot of answers for us. I believe that there are a lot of things out there that the answer is very, very obvious and is very, very easy to get to. It's just that we're so focused on our situation that we, we can't see past any of it, and so we're focused on ourselves. And so a lot of us today, we're focused on what's happening in the relationships around us, and there's struggles that are there, and, and we're looking for answers in those situations. For some of us, it's in our finances, and, and we're wondering how we're going to make it, how we're going to pay our mortgage payment, how we're going to pay our rent payment, what's up with the car payment, and we're stressing about those things, and others of us, it's, it's we're, we're trying to figure out for our life, you know, are, am I heading in the right direction for my career path, or, or is this going to continue to be a struggle in everything that I do, and the reality is, is that for a lot of us, we need to stop stressing and start seeking God in some of those moments, and a key scripture throughout this series is found in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and it says it says this it says don't worry about anything it says stop worrying about all of those things instead pray about everything tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done Stop worrying about all the cares of the world. Stop worrying about all the things that are stressing you out right now. Stop worrying about your finances. Stop worrying about those relationships. Stop worrying about your purpose and your destiny. And instead of worrying about those things, start seeking God and asking him what he has for that moment, for that season, for that situation. And see what happens and start thanking him in advance for those things that are in your life. And so we're going to kind of dive in today and we're going to talk about that and how do we do that and we're going to kind of set the tone for the rest of this series as we really learn how to be individuals who pray and seek and know the voice of God, but also as a church that we would pray and we would seek and we would know the voice of God for our lives. And so I want to start out today by telling you a story of, of a guy named Honey um, that Mark Batterson actually tells in his, in his uh, book. If, you, if you've never read it before, it's, it's amazing. Um, but this story actually comes out of a book called The Book of Legends. And The Book of Legends is a rabbinical history of the Jewish culture. And so how the Bible was formed is, is that in Jewish culture, what they would do is they, they would tell stories from generation to generation they would pass those stories on and on and on and on and on. And so what would happen is, is some of those stories were stories that ended up in the Bible and other ones were just stories about the culture and the history of their, of their community. And so what happened is, is after um, 
there had been like a 400-year drought of, of no prophets being around. Basically, a prophet in Jewish history was somebody who would hear from God and share that with the people, and the people would go to him in order to talk to God. And so, at the end of the Old Testament, there's like a 400-year gap between the time when the last prophet spoke and when Jesus was going to come back and come to this earth and to be the king of the Jews and save them from everything. And so there's this period of time where there has been no, no distinct God's voice speaking to them. And, and that would be a pretty difficult time. Think about it in your life. If, you, if maybe you're a Christ follower out there or maybe you're not even and, and the possibility of God speaking to you and maybe there was a time that you were hearing his voice and then all of a sudden there is no voice. And so they thought to themselves, like, man, God, God has stopped speaking to us. But there was one man, he was a, an old sage named Honey, who believed that while God had stopped speaking to them, that God was still very much listening to them. And during this season that they were in, there was a drought that was happening in Jerusalem. In fact, they say the drought was so bad that, that they were starting to get worried whether they were going to be able to survive another week, another month, possibly even a couple of months because without rain, there would be no crops. Without any crops, they wouldn't have any feed for themselves and for their animals, and therefore, the animals were starting to starve. People were starting to starve, and they were very, very frightened for their future. Maybe right now, you're going through a season where you're in some drought. I don't know about you, but when things are going good, I don't really think about things that are going bad when things are going good. Anybody else like me in that? But when things are going bad, all I think about is things that are going bad. Anybody else feel me on that? Yeah, most of us feel, like when things are going bad, like you don't see good anywhere. All you see is bad, and, and that's exactly where they were. All they could see in the middle of their drought was the drought. They saw no hope in that situation. But there was legend that Honey was a man that could pray for rain and rain would come. And so the people of Jerusalem went to Honey and said, would you pray to God for rain? And Honey exited his house with a staff in hand. And as he walked outside the city, hundreds if not thousands gathered around him. As he took his staff and he started walking in a circle, drawing in the sand, 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, until he had drawn a full 360 degree circle. And he bowed himself down in the middle of the circle. And with the authority of Elijah that prayed for rain in days past, prayed out this prayer. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And when he prayed that prayer, a shudder went down the spine of every person, not because of the loudness of his voice, but because of the conviction and the authority behind his words. And as he stood, kneeled down in the middle of that circle, his prayer was so resolute but yet humble. 
confident yet meek. Expectant, but yet so assuming, unassuming. And then it happened. A drizzle of rain started to come down. And the people were exuberant with joy because the prayer had been answered. The, the drought was over. And as they started to celebrate and as they started to, to run around and enjoy the midst of the drought ending, Pony did not move from his position of bowing in the middle of the circle. The people rejoiced over each drop, but Honey was not yet done yet. And with a loud voice, over the sounds of the celebration, he prayed out, not for such a rain have I prayed, but for a rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. And the little drizzle started to turn into a torrential downpour. So much so that history says there was not a single raindrop that was smaller than the size of an egg. How many of y'all know that's some big rain? That's like, that's like hail-sized rain that will probably hurt you. And as the rains came down, because the ground was so hard, flash flooding started and, and, and puddles became rivers. And the people ran to the mountain temple to save themselves because of how much rain was coming down. But Honey was resolute. He was still in his position in the middle of his circle. And with a loud voice cried out again, not for such a rain have I prayed, but for a rain of thy favor, thy blessing, and graciousness. Then all of a sudden, like a well-proportioned rained on a hot mid-August day in South Florida. The rain came down. As each drop came down, it was a cool, refreshing. It was a reminder of Every drop was the reminder of God's unending grace and provision for every single life of every single person there. It was the day that puddle jumping became an act of faith. It's the day that a, a generation was saved is a day that the day before they would never dream would ever come and the day after they could not deny that it had happened. And Honey was extolled as a local hero, the miracle worker. In the Sanhedrin of the day, the religious leaders tried to claim that what he had prayed and what he had believed for was not miraculous, but there was no repudiating the fact that the drought was over and the prayer that Honey had prayed did in fact 
take place. And the prayer that saved a generation was deemed one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel. It's a constant reminder to the people in Jewish culture that the act of a single prayer can transform history in one moment. Maybe right now in your life, you're going through a season of drought. You're wondering where God is and you haven't heard his voice and there's struggles and the struggles are real. There's no denying the fact that things are not going the way that you planned them to go and things aren't growing the way that you were hoping they were going to grow and the relationships you were hoping would work out haven't worked out. And you're seeking and you're longing for something in your life. And I believe that you're just one prayer away from the miraculous taking place in your life. The problem is for so many of us, we look at prayer and we say to ourselves like, I don't really have any clue how to do that. I mean, that prayer, prayer thing is something for religious people. Man, it's difficult. It's kind of weird. It's goofy. I mean, you're talking to nobody. That's just, that's just awkward. And maybe you're like me, you grew up in church, and so all you experience is kind of weird. Uh, I grew up in a, in a Catholic family, so we went to Mass every week, and all you ever heard was uh, recited prayers. Any, anybody ever been in that, that arena? So all I knew were the prayers that I learned to recite, and they were just kind of weird. And then when I found Jesus, and, and I grew up in a charismatic church. Um, anybody out there ever been in a charismatic church? Anything kind of goes. Uh, if you feel like running around, get up and run around. That's cool. That's charismatic church. And so we would have prayer meetings. Like all night prayer meetings. And, and so I didn't know any better. So I went to a prayer meeting for the first time one night. And, uh, and they like to hold hands and stand in circles. Um, first of all, holding hands at night and standing in circles is just like, that's for kumbaya at the campfire, not for prayer meetings. But like they, that's what you did. You get in a circle and you don't know how to hold somebody's hand. Anybody else ever experienced that? Like, do I go over? Do I go under? There's always the person that wants to interlock hands with you. Like that's a no-go for a prayer meeting. Save for marriage, husband and wife. Anybody else that locks fingers, we'll, we need to pray for you, okay? Like, weird. Like, that's just, no, don't do that. And then, and then you got to deal with, like, people that are, you're holding their hands. You know, you got one guy that's got, like, the extreme cold hand on one side. You know that person? You're like, good Lord, are you an icicle? Is your heart as cold as your hand is? You know, like, you're just, you're just thinking that in your mind. Then the other side, you got sweaty palms guy. You know, like, like a sweat dripping out. And you're like, can I get the two extremes here or what? It's just no good. Or you get fish hand person. You know, the person that doesn't really hold their hand. That you just, you just kind of grab hold of them. Hey. Listen, like, let me just teach you how to shake hands. Use some muscle because if I grab your hand, I'm going to pray in Jesus' name that I break your fingers, okay? Because I'm just going to squeeze the snot out of you. Uh, hate that. Anyways. And then you, and, and, and how I grew up is, is in that circle, every single person would pray. And you would go around the circle. And so people would be praying. And, and so you'd be standing in your spot looking how many people away it was from you being able to pray. And so while everybody else is praying when it's pretty far away, you're thinking about your prayer. 
Like you don't have a clue what they're praying because you're coming up with how holy and awesome you're going to sound when it's your turn to talk. Anybody with, uh, come on, come on, let's be honest. If you've been in a prayer meeting, it's all about like how good can I make my prayer sound compared to the dude next to me because I want to make him look foolish and me look holy. And, and so you're thinking about that and the prayer is coming around and how it works is that the person who's praying, when they're finished, they squeeze the next person's hand. That's how you know it's your turn to pray. Like they squeeze your hand, okay, it's my turn. And so you'll be sitting there, it's getting close to you. And then it always happens, the person next to you prays your prayer. You're like, I just worked 30 minutes on that prayer and they just stole it. I was gonna pray for peace in the world. Like, I mean, come on. And so what do you do? Like, you're freaking out. You're like, I don't have anything good to pray. I don't have anything good to pray. And they squeeze your hand and you just automatically squeeze the next person's hand. Just skip past. Amen. <laughs> Hoping the next time I'm coming around, I got something good next time. You know, like, I want to pray for, like, something nobody else is going to think of. Like, midgets in Zimbabwe or something. Like, nobody's going to pray that prayer. <laughs> Sorry if that was offensive. Small people. Small people. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about that. But when we grow up with stuff like that, no wonder nobody, like, like, I don't know what to do. Like, if that's what I'm supposed to do to pray, like, I don't want nothing to do with that. And I think we have all these misconceptions about what, what prayer is. And prayer is really just you connecting with God. It's you having a conversation with God. And God having a conversation back with you. And prayer is so important because I believe that how you pray is going to determine who you become in life especially when it comes to your walk with Christ and your identity in Christ. In fact, I put it in your notes like this. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers will become the script of your life. The things that you're praying right now are eventually going to play out in the, the history of your natural life. And some of you guys are wondering, like, why is my, my life not going the way that I want it to go? Or why do I just keep ending up wherever and that's because you you haven't prayed any prayers and so like you're on the road to nowhere and so you're just going with the flow and uh the flow always leads to a bunch of crap then others of you you've been praying these dynamic prayers and trusting God and and you're seeing your life head in that direction because you've been writing the script of your life through the prayers that you've been praying And the problem for most of us is, is that what we do in life is when we're facing difficulties or we're just going through life, we go ask everyone's opinion. We ask Dr. Phil, we ask Susie sitting next to us, we ask that random stranger on the street, we ask all these different people and when we don't get the answer we like or we haven't gotten the results that we like, we go, well, I bet, guess I better pray now. And prayer is, is our last resort when prayer, honestly, should never be a last res resort, it should always be our first response. Like, my life is going to, to hell in a handbag, and that handbag is ugly. Jesus, what do you got to say about that? Go to Louis Vuitton. Okay, Jesus, I'm with you. You know, whatever that may be. It's for some lady out there. There's your answer prayer. 
But we got to have this connection with God. And, and so, instead of going to God as a last resort, he needs to be our, our first place that we seek. And so, if we're going to start, stop stressing and start praying, we got to start seeking God. And I think the best place we can start to learn how to seek God is look at what Jesus said about seeking God. And what does that look like for our lives? And so, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, we're going to read there. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. So they're asking like, God, how do I pray? Some of you guys are asking, God, how do I pray? TJ, how do I pray? What does that look like for my life? And so Jesus is going to give us an example here of what prayer should look like. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. So good, good example there is when Jesus said, this is how you should do something. Probably a good idea that this is probably how you should do something. Anybody with me there? I mean, that's, we'll just break it down simple. And so he says, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Most of us have probably heard that prayer before a little bit different. Everybody has probably heard of the Lord's Prayer. Everybody heard of the Lord's Prayer? You know, we, most of us have probably recited it before. Uh, can you guys help me out? Our Father who... It started off kind of good. Like, you guys got the first little bar, and then you just tanked it. Like, give us this. Amen. This section over here, honestly, I don't think a single person over here even said the prayer. Like, y'all, like, I've never heard that prayer before in my life. It's all right. We'll talk to you a little bit more here or later. This section down here, they just think it's funny. So, uh... For a lot of us, we've just, I grew up, that, that's what you did. When you prayed, that's, that's the prayer you prayed. It was a prayer to recite. I don't think Jesus was giving us a prayer to recite. I think he was giving us a model of these are some things that you need to incorporate in your life if you want to pray effectively. And so all I want to do for the next couple of minutes is, is talk about those things and kind of set the stage for you to be able to walk out having a relationship and talking to God on a daily consistent basis because it's so important that we do that. And so Let's talk about that. Our Father who art in heaven. We have got to understand that it's all about a relationship with our heavenly Father. It's all about the relationship with our heavenly Father. And we got to understand that, that in heaven, we have this Father who is perfect and who is loving. And the problem is, is that how we perceive somebody to be, like how, do, how we see someone is how we end up treating them or how we end up responding to them. And a lot of us, our problem with God is, is that we have a bad idea or we've had a bad model of what fatherhood is because maybe our father was poor at it. Maybe he wasn't very loving. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he was neglected to you. And so because you've had a bad skew or a bad view of your earthly father or father figure in your life, your automatic response when you hear that God is a father in heaven is, is that, man, God doesn't love me. He's not for me. That God is, a, you know, like my dad didn't do anything good. So why would God do anything good in your life? And because we have a poor view of God, we don't see that there is this God in heaven that is a perfect father. 
Now, this is what I know about a really, really good father and a perfect father is that a perfect father wants what is best for his kids all the time. He's always looking for, how can I help my kids become the person that they're supposed to become? How can I raise them to have values? How can I help them fulfill their dreams? How can I help them uh, accomplish everything that they want to accomplish in life? Because that's what a perfect father would want to do. Like, he doesn't see them riding down the street and go, oh man, I hate those kids, and go shove them off their bike. No, like a perfect father goes out there and helps them get up when they fall down off their bike. And there's a scripture that really helped me with this when I was first coming to know Christ. It was Hebrews 4, 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. And I, I love the depiction of that scripture because I think about it, like I, I come from a broken home and so I ended up with two dads. And it's always interesting when you have two dads. And I ended up with two great dads. I have a Earthly, a normal father and a stepfather that both I love dearly and they're both in the business world and one of the things that I loved about going to see either one of my dads is that they would be in, in their office putting together some sort of business deal be on some sort of important phone call and anytime I walked into that office it didn't matter what was going on man I could run straight to my dad and jump in his lap and hang out with him it was not a problem at all why? because He's my father, and my father loves me, and I'm the most important thing in my father's life. He can get another business deal. He could never get another son. And that's important for some of y'all to know because you think, oh man, God's not loving. God doesn't care about me. Listen, he can never get another you. You are the only one he can ever get. And more than anything, he wants you to come boldly to him. I could run in there and jump in his lap. And God is saying today, man, you can come boldly before me. And it's important that we know that we need to come with boldness before God. Listen, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. And God is wanting some of us to run in there and be bold and say, Dad, listen, man, I've got some things going on. I need you to just sit here with me and just talk with me. And experience his presence because this is what happens. When our faith meets his faithfulness, man, the miraculous starts to happen in our lives. And some of us, we need that today, but we haven't had the faith to run to our heavenly father and go, God, what's up? What's happening And I think that picture is so, so important because we run to God just for God. And the natural thing of God is he just gives grace and mercy to us. God doesn't want something from you. He just wants you to know who he is and to run to him today. And it's so important and it's so critical that you understand right from the outset that God is for you. He's for you. And if God is for you, then nothing can be against you. Our Father who art in heaven, howleth be your name. It's important to know that there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in God's name. All throughout scripture, all throughout the Bible, you'll see over and over again that there, God has a name 
And he has, every one of his names has meaning. And that's important to us because we need to understand who it is we're talking to and what authority he has in our life. See, some of us haven't recognized that God has a lot of authority and, and some of us are going through some tough financial times right now and we've not recognized that one of God's names is he is our provider. And so that difficulty you're going through right now, God's name is provider. If you would just call on his name, there's power in his name. For some of you guys, you're going through some stressful moments right now. Did you know one of the names of God is peace? And when you call upon his name, you know what's going to happen is peace is going to come in the midst of your stress. Some of you guys are looking for significance and purpose. Do you realize that he is called the author and perfecter of your faith? If you're wondering what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it, you can call upon that aspect of his name. You start to understand the nature and the very essence of who he is. It's going to dictate what he's going to do. Notice we're through a couple of the things and it's very few prayer. Very few of this is about us at this point. It's all about God. It's about worshiping and acknowledging who he is and what he wants to do in our life. Continue on, your kingdom come, your will be done. We gotta start to pray his list first. We gotta start to pray his list first. Let's see, it's your kingdom, your name, your will. Not too much of me in there at this point. You start thinking about what's the most important thing on God's list? And God has a list? I didn't even know that. I think the most important thing in God's list is people. Particularly people that are far from him. People that don't yet know his name. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, so that's, that's the mandate. That's, that's what he's about. Like, hey, go, go take care of people for me. And this is the awesome part about that. The promise that goes with that. And he goes, and surely I am with you always. See, the amazing part about this is that when we start praying God's list first and when we start seeking God with everything that we have and we start saying, God, I'm all about what you're doing, what happens is, is we get Jesus in the midst of that. He says, and surely I am with you always. So I start focusing on him and what do I get in return? I get Jesus, I get God. And you know what comes with God? Everything that he has. That's like some good news right there. Like I can get an answer or I can get the creator of the answer. And it says, he'll never leave me, nor will he forsake me. That is some good news for some of us. And if, if we truly want to be a circle maker, man, we've got to start praying his list first. Because lost people matter to God, so therefore they should matter to us. That's why we say all the time, found people, find people. Found people, find people. Because it's all about his list first in life. And so my question for all of us is, is, is this, is, it's all about you, God, yours, 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 yours. What would happen if today God came down into our midst here, one-on-one -on -one with you, and he said, you know what? Today I'm going to answer every single one of your prayers. 
Yeah, somebody's like, I already like that. Getting me an Escalade in a house in Parkland, you know. This is the question I would ask you. Would your prayers change the world or just your world? What would they change? I know when I asked myself that question, I was like, I suck. And so uh, I was like, I'm getting a house in Parkland and an Escalade. Uh, not anymore. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Think about God is that he has everything that we need. He has every single thing that we need. Notice that I didn't say he has everything that we want. A lot of our prayers, a lot of our desires are based on what we want. And God never said that he would give us everything that we want. And that's important for us to know because a lot of us, it, it is like, hey, give me an Escalade and a house in Parkland. Like, that's what we want, but is that what we need for that day? Give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't sound like he's going to give us an overabundance of things. He's going to give us enough to survive, enough to take care of that moment. You think about throughout the history of the Bible, think about the Israelites going through the desert and what were they supplied with? They were supplied with manna from heaven every single day. And they could gather enough to consume that day. If they gathered any more, what would happen to it? It would rot. There's probably a principle in there for us is that God isn't giving us everything we want. He's giving us everything that we need. And if God has blessed us with an abundance of things, it's not for us to store up and to consume. It's probably for us to use to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Because what is our excess is somebody else's daily bread. And God wants to provide everything we need, not just the big things. And that's what we think about, God, I need to go to you with the big things. But God wants to provide the small things. And the reason we don't go to God for the small things is because we think to ourselves, man, I can do this all of myself. And we try to become independent of God instead of codependent on God. And what God is desiring is that we would become completely dependent on him in every single aspect, for every single aspect of every one of our needs. And that's why I encourage you guys to read your Bibles all the time, because there's over 7,000 promises in these scriptures. I guarantee there's a promise for every problem that you're facing here today. And if we would just seek him out and we would run to him and we would find out what he says about those things, then God would come in and perform the miracle in your life because he loves to keep his promises. Man, he loves to see answered prayer. He loves performing miracles and fulfilling the dreams of your heart. That's who God is and that's what he does. And the more we start circling, the more we start believing, the more he starts doing in our life. The problem is, is that most of us don't ever start circling. We ever, don't ever start believing. We wonder why he never does anything. Because if we started relying on God for everything, we would stop stressing about all the things we're stressing about, and we would just run straight to him. He goes on to say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I just want to spend a couple minutes here because I think that this is so, so important 
in life because there's a lot of us that we're holding on to some things in life right now that are hurting us. A lot of it is hurt and bitterness from things that have been done to us in the past by someone or something. And we say, man, I can't forgive them. I can't let go of that thing. And the Bible actually says that when we're not forgiving other people, in fact, Jesus said this, he said, we have this access to forgiveness and freedom. But what he says in Matthew 6, 14, is he says, if you forgive other people, when you do that, when they sin against you, when you forgive those people, then God in heaven will forgive you. And some of us haven't realized this in life, but we're praying these prayers, and it seems like God is never answering our prayers because there's something that's holding back our prayers, and it's the bitterness and the hurt that's in our lives right now. That we're still holding on to something that somebody did to us. And listen, I'm not saying that you are to forgive someone and forget them of what they did. In fact, the only person that can forgive and forget is Jesus. That's what he did on the cross. Last time I checked, none of us are Jesus. If you are, let me know after service, okay? will talk with you. No, we need to forgive. We can remember what happened. We don't have to restore the relationship to what it was because trust was broken. But we do need to forgive them so that our prayers will be unhindered going to God. So that we can have that complete access. That's why he says, forgive others. Forgive them. Get rid of that stuff because it's hurting your connection with God. And prayer is all about connection. It's all about, man, what, how can I connect with God? And some, for some of us, we've got some things that are holding us back right now that if we don't let go of, they're going to continue to hinder us. And more than that, they're going to hurt us in life. He goes on to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is really, really important. I think we've got to fight from a place of victory. We've got to fight from a place of victory. The, the thing that I love about the Bible, if you're a Christ follower in here, this is the greatest news ever because God has given us his word. He's given us the story. And I don't know if, you, if any of you guys have skipped to the back uh, of, of the book, but in the back, you know what it says? It says, we win. We win. I don't know if you've ever played sports and you like you knew that you were going to win no matter what. Do you know what you do in that game? Whatever the heck you want. Why? Because you won. And a lot of us, we're going through life with the mentality of a victim and that we're never going to come out on the other side. When the reality is, is that we're a victor if we would just take the posture of it. And some of us, we need to get into a posture of victory rather than victim and allow God to do the work that he's already done. Because here's the thing, death has already been defeated. Every obstacle that we're facing has already been taken down. Jesus already won when he rose from the grave. And so we're going to win. We might lose some battles along the way, but you know what? We win the war. And if we'll change our mentality and we'll change our posture, we'll start to see God do some incredible things in our lives. And we'll start to see God do the miraculous that we've been longing for and we've been believing for and we've been standing for because we believe that we win at the end. And when we come with that mentality, 
then all of a sudden our words get a lot different, our actions get a lot different because we're not getting beat up anymore. We're getting ready to kick somebody's butt. When I was a little kid, I used to fight a lot. Um, anybody else out there, were they a fighter as a kid? A couple people. There's like four of us, awesome. Um, I, I love, in fact, I got kicked out of public school for fighting at, in kindergarten. Um, that's one of my, it's my claim to fame. Like I was undefeated in kindergarten. I beat up every kid. Um, yeah, somebody backstage is really impressed with that. Um, but I remember I'd beat, I beat up every kid in my school that I could find. I, don't, I was super, super aggressive. Um, I blame it on Mountain Dew. I don't know if that's really the case or not, but I remember my, my parents put me in karate. And, and when I went to karate, didn't matter how big the kid is they put up against me, didn't matter how tough they looked, I had this attitude that I could beat anybody. Like I'd already won. And I walked into every sparring event, every fighting event, every single opportunity that we had, I walked in like I'd already won that match. And every time I would walk in, because I was so confident, you know what the other kid did? He cowered. See, the Bible tells us that Satan is like a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is. He's actually a pussycat. And I hate cats. And they all deserve to die. And so we need to walk in. There's only going to be two things in hell. Bad people and cats. I'm just... <laughs> Somebody's like, oh, my cat's going to hell. Probably. Um, we need to go into our prayer life like, man, God's already done it. God's already done it. So my challenge to you is, is that I want to challenge you for the next couple of weeks. We're in the series for four weeks that you would take 20 minutes a day and you would seek God. You spend five minutes of that day worshiping God, put on a song, listen to a radio. Take five minutes, read your Bible, the paper one, or you can put version on your phone and be technologically advanced. And Then take 10 minutes and pray the Lord's Prayer, not recite it, but the principle behind it of worshiping God and praying his list and forgiving others and allowing God to do a work in your heart so that you can walk in the victory that's already been won. And I believe that as we do this as a church, as we do this as individuals, as we step out and stand in front of a lost and dying and hurting world that's looking for answers, that they'll see how big our God is and how he comes through in our situations. And here's, here's my fear for some of us is that the greatest tragedy of our lives are the prayers that go unanswered because they go unprayed in our life.
And so I promise you this, God is ready and he's waiting and he's longing for you to just show up and talk to him. And I understand I have no idea what circumstances you're facing today or what difficulties you're encountering. But I'm confident of this, that you are one prayer away from God turning around your situation from a huge mess into an inspiring message of God's faithfulness. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers will become the script of your life. What stories are your prayers writing today? Let's pray. Father God, I just come before you today and I know that there's people that are going through some difficult things out there today. They're, they're going through some circumstances that seem pretty overwhelming and they have questions, lots of questions. I have lots of questions. But God, this is what I know is that you have answers. And no matter how big the problem is that they're facing, no matter how overwhelming the circumstances are that are surrounding them, God, that you are right there, ready to answer. And I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move in us, God, that we would, we would take the challenge to seek after you. That we wouldn't step back, we wouldn't hold back, but God, we would boldly come before your throne of grace. And we would start praying some bold prayers because they honor you. And God, you would stay faithful and follow through on those prayers. God, I pray right now that there's, I, I believe that there's some people that are hurting that need to forgive some people. God, I pray that they would have the courage and the boldness to let go of some pain and some hurt today. And then as they do, man, that they would feel an experience of freedom that they haven't ever experienced before. And that your grace and your mercy would cover them in every way. God, we thank you for what you're going to do 